Okay, today I'm speaking with Singapore-based Charu Sethi, the Chief Marketing Officer of Unique Network. They're an NFT chain for Polkadot and Kusama. Charu is a leading voice in tech marketing with experience in the blockchain industry. And before Unique, she worked for companies like IBM, helping to build out their blockchain adoption marketing. We chat everything NFTs, the crazy growth we've seen in the last 12 months, and what that's meant to the art and gaming world, and how these digital assets can support the non-profit sector. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Charu Sethi. Hey Charu, welcome to the Task Podcast. How are you doing? Hi Matt, very happy to be here. I'm doing great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm really excited to jump in and chat about NFTs, which is what we're going to kind of dig into. But before I do that, um, you know, maybe good just to, I, I will have shared a little introduction um, before the pod for our audience, but it will have been short. So great to just, you know, understand it a little bit more detail, uh, yourself, unique network, the work you do, and and then we'll jump into the whole NFT chat. Sure. So hi, everyone. Uh, and thanks again, Matt, for having me on the show. Uh, very, very excited to share about all the stuff that we're working on. I am Charu, and I lead uh, marketing at a Unique Network. Uh, I joined Unique Network in May this year, and it's been a super exciting ride since then. Uh, prior to that, I've uh, I, I have uh, 12 years of experience, okay, 13 years of experience across tech marketing, strategy, consulting, uh, and similar roles. So uh, when I was, uh, so I, I spent a lot of time in IBM, and uh, back in 2015, um, I was working on some account workshops uh, for a large enterprise client, and I happened to speak to one of our colleagues from IBM Research Lab. So he was working on a presentation and he said, I'm working on something called blockchain. I, I got really curious about it. And this was back, back in 2015. So he told me about four very interesting concepts about provenance, immutability, uh, transparency, privacy, and uh, the distributed ledgers. I, I got really interested and I invited him to share his working presentation with our, some of our clients. And uh, that really made me very curious. I started to understand more and uh, I somehow wanted to be associated with blockchain in IBM. And um, so I, um, in the following year in 2016, I accepted the role of uh, leading IBM uh, marketing for Asia Pacific for blockchain. And I was just super thrilled about it. Um, the focus was, of course, IBM Enterprise Solutions, uh, very, very different off uh, from the blockchain you see today. It's um, we we made in special efforts to stay away and not talk about the word cryptocurrency <laughs> because it wouldn't resonate with our clients, really. And the promise was more about the distributed ledger systems. And uh, that's how IBM Solutions had started to build. Um, and since then, I've been wanting to explore the real outside public blockchains world. And uh, this year, I earlier in the year, I decided to jump in and sort of take a leap of faith and um, moved on from IBM and joined this whole NFT world. Uh, and eventually, uh, I was with Engine briefly, and then I joined uh, Unique Network as Chief Marketing Officer. So... Uh, now, Unique Network is uh, 
a scalable NFT chain for Polkadot. And uh, given Polkadot is proof of stake um, and it is designed to be the blockchain of blockchains. So it has interoperability, efficiencies and scalability uh, built into its design. So, um, and yeah, uh, I think uh, so though we actually started to take the brand uh, unique network to market in May, but Greg uh, Zaitsev, our CTO, and Alexander Mitrovich, our CEO, they've been working on the chain and the chain has been live since August 2020. So we just decided to, to push it further and, and do all the amazing things on it this year. Um, and we've had good success so far. We um, uh, won the Kusama Parachain slot. Our courts chain won the Kusama Parachain slot in November. We are now gearing up for a public sale and then later on, of course, uh, slot on Polkadot Network. So, yeah, it's been amazing, an amazing journey so far. Yeah, I'm sure. And look, it's a time, it's a very interesting time. I mean, actually, just a part of what you said there, you know, the whole kind of avoiding the, the terminology crypto, it is interesting, right? Because we have blockchain of which there are many solutions, use cases throughout the business world. You know, I know some of the IBM ones and a lot in the nonprofit sector yeah. that we're involved with. Um, you've then got cryptocurrency over here and, and kind of Bitcoin, which the general public absolutely know about. And many of them don't even really understand what blockchain is. And now, of course, you've got this NFT world, which, you know, I'm kind of immersed in it somewhat with our business, but I'm also speaking to people every day and realizing there are, you know, 99% of the population doesn't really know what an NFT is, hasn't heard of it, but it has been a massive explosion over the last 12 months. I mean, you know, what, what, what is that? What has happened? I mean, what's your perspective on this space? I assume you've been kind of immersed in it, seeing all these projects. You know, what, what's happened? What's the importance? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, earlier in the year when uh, around the Feb-March uh, timeframe, when you started to hear the news about millions, about, okay, 200 million, 300 million of NFT sales, that felt like, wow, uh, this is amazing. And uh, I mean, people weren't able to make sense of it. And then the the famous sale of people's artwork. Um so I think uh, uh, during that time frame, people were already uh, saying that, okay, this is it. This is the peak and, uh, and, and we're done. Uh, the bubble is going to burst. Uh, so while it did correct, uh, say from 200 million, it, it came down to 100 million and maybe 150 in the couple of uh, months following that. But in August, it just broke all records and in some cases exceeding $3 billion in, in mm. uh, total volume sales. So um, I think that uh, has really done a lot of good to definitely the art world. And we are all aware of it in terms of uh, the access, not just to platforms, but to collectors that all the artists who have received. Um, so... I mean, art has been a very um, sort of out of reach for some of the artists based in smaller cities um, and uh, who don't have access to a proper formal art education or to galleries or to even collector groups. So that this, uh, the NFT wave has broken those barriers and it's, it's, it's had, 
it's been amazing. It has a very wide appeal. Uh, what you see uh, also is uh, about 10 to 15 really large marketplaces that uh, are doing very innovative things. Some are more focused on curation. Some are focused on, on sort of mass markets. And uh, they have their own specific point of view on NFTs. And uh, so that's sort of the the front-facing uh, side of NFTs. And then there were different chains. Of course, a whole lot of innovation and almost everything uh, came from Ethereum, mm-hmm. which is, um, I mean, the climate impact aside, it is an amazing innovation. Um, and the stuff that Ethereum has enabled is very, very powerful. So, uh, so that was other than the marketplaces, then there are different chains, Ethereum, Polygon, Flow, Tezos. All of these chains uh, started to see significant amount of NFT activity on them. And uh, one of the special things that happened was NBA Top Shots. And why that was special was because it sort of uh, hid blockchain under the hood. The... Uh, the, the buyers of the cards didn't have to know what a crypto wallet is. They could just buy it off the cards. I think that was something pretty special. Mm-hmm. And that's what tells you that what's needed for a mainstream adoption. Uh, having seen all of this energy and everything, um, all the excitement among the art community, among collectors and traders, uh, a lot of what we've seen is... Uh, around collectibles. And uh, we've not seen too many different use cases beyond collectibles. And I think that's uh, that's something we will start to see uh, in the next year and going forward. Because if you think of uh, non-fungible tokens as digital assets and compare it to real world assets, real world assets do a lot more they have relationships with other assets. They own other assets. They are a part of some of the other assets. So I think uh, that is something that um, we will now start to see in the coming months and years where it it goes beyond what we've seen so far. Very interesting. You Was it, M, what was it, MBL Hotshots? What did you call it? The, what yeah, was that project? NBA. Uh, NBA. The, the, NBA top shots. So, so these are the ones where they were taking a snippet of content from an NBA game. And if yes. I'm a, a fan, I can buy and own. Buy I'm explaining because, you know, and I know for our audience, the less technical, you know, will will they will have not heard of this. But I, it's an important point you make. I think transitioning away from, hey, this is about blockchain and 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 NFTs and all this terminology to, hey, I'm a fan of a particular sport or of a particular artist. And, you know, my, I bought an NFT off a, a DJ I used to like, which was a piece of content with music linked to it. But I used a credit card. I didn't have to know anything yeah. about blockchain. But, yeah, it's important, I think, to, to your point. Yeah, it's transitioning away from the technology to make this more and more mainstream so that, you know, anyone, anyone can collect. Um, you, you also mentioned Ethereum there, of course, and you touched on the the great things Ethereum has done, but also the challenges with with the environmental impact, which is very public out in the sphere. It's kind of the elephant in the room, I think, with when you talk about this technology. But it is also there is lots of services 
outside of just hey here's a an nft that creates a really um you know negative footprint on the planet right do you want can you just talk to to some of those other services solutions because i think a lot of people are just going hey we can't do this stuff because it's bad for the environment whereas i know that's not the straight answer anymore yeah i think at a very high level we all know uh that we need to take some action to we need to take concrete climate action right and it is um when you talk about um agencies and ngos who are focused on these efforts who really want to make an impact i think that the biggest issue is resource mobilization mm. so that's how do you enable that and then when you talk about uh movements like nfts and technologies like ethereum um i look at them as sort of two sides the demand side and the production side right now from a demand side perspective it is um the the art community the uh, the art galleries the uh the entities and individuals who who consume uh art and related uh digital assets right so from their perspective it is important to generate awareness and and uh let them know uh how is how are nfts good or bad mm. uh how is what is the impact that ethereum causes on the climate and um even though it's a beautiful technology and what do they need to know uh to be able to make the right choice and what do they need to educate themselves on right so the demand side is sort of building awareness about possibilities technologies solutions and and routes to market we we're not saying that um, you're an artist you shouldn't use ethereum because it's not good it's it's an it's a beautiful opportunity for them to learn something new and from uh, the production side if you're talking about technologies right and um, so uh i think um, there are a lot of uh, efforts and protocols right uh, so one of the things that we've seen is artists and creators uh, channeling a percentage of uh, the revenue or sales they make towards charities ngos for good uh, then there are protocols uh, that have uh, uh, climate action built into the protocol which means yeah uh, sort of new generating products that gives investors great yields and then they donate a significant percentage of the man- management fee to impact initiatives uh some projects um, they use the power and resources of crypto to fund a big infrastructure project such as transition to clean energy and then um uh, driving investment towards clean energy resources so that's sort of channeling uh the funding and then the real technology side let's talk about ethereum so within ethereum there there are ways that uh, make building efficiencies uh, on a spectrum i would say lazy minting for example so right. lazy minting is when uh, it's not 100 times better but maybe two or three times better um uh, in terms of uh, carbon footprint uh, so this is done by not creating an nft until the first purchase right and then there are the side chains so where nfts are minted on non ethereum proof of stake side chains but then they can be moved on to ethereum for wider market access 
then uh, bridges and interoperability, which is not straightforward. Uh, and then there are layer two scaling optimizations, which, which are of course very efficient. So those are um, Ethereum and related uh, uh, scaling and efficiency solutions that we've sort of uh, seen happen. But then there are a whole lot of other, um, I mean, not a whole lot, but there are other blockchains like uh, uh, Tezos and Polkadot, Algorand. So I think, uh, I mean, I believe, I personally believe in the power of Polkadot because um, interoperability and scalability is sort of built into the design. And I, I really feel that uh, all the future use cases that we are going to see, uh, Polkadot is sort of designed for, to address those and to, to, um, to have those solutions built on, on the parachains. So that's uh, that's the sort of the ecosystem that I uh, that I see, and uh, I think uh, uh, while uh, Polkadot is great, uh, I'm not saying that Ethereum will not exist. A lot of innovation and a lot of amazing stuff is is already there on Ethereum. So it is really about interoperability and how to be how do we connect with all the stuff that's there on Ethereum and give artists really a wider market access by offering them sort of chain agnostic solutions. Um, it's not easy because achieving sort of scalable cross-chain communication is very complex. It involves uh, uh, one network needs to understand uh, the existing blockchain systems of other networks, their consensus rules, security models, governance. So there's a lot that goes on. It's not easy to achieve, but I think a multi-chain future is what we will see in the future and is what's needed. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, the other thing is, you know, we're, we're so early into this market, at least in terms of the staggering kind of growth curve we've seen, you know, I think 2000% in 12 months or whatever it's been in terms yeah. of, so yeah, I mean, that's going to, that creates a huge amount of opportunity, but also lots of problems to solve in terms of how the technology needs to innovate but um yeah it's good to hear there are different solutions i know the environmental issue will, will consistently come up but it's also something that's being solved consistently as well so you mentioned artists a lot i know we we touched on it and i'm you know you were i mean there, there are a lot of different marketplaces out there from ocean sea you know at the top down to veve in singapore i was looking at which is in the kind of cartoon space i suppose but mm -hmm. it does seem that art has been the real kind of foothold and sport i think i don't know the market share breakdown but art is certainly the biggest area that nfts have kind of taken hold you know is that what you're seeing in the kind of short to medium term you know next year two years three years do you see that really being the growth area or are you seeing you know this technology really branching out into lots of different areas you know other use cases and art was just really the beginning and and, and will always be the kind of legacy of how it started yeah i think uh, art is uh, is the biggest one that we've seen so far and uh, the uh, i mean even for unique network uh, digital art for climate was was has has been an amazing amazing story. Um, and I can talk about that later separately. But uh, 
what we have seen so far is, I would just say a broader category is digital collectibles, right? It is you, uh, you create a, a digital art or you, you digitize a traditional piece of art, you mint it, then you uh, invest in some branding and marketing around it, and then you trade it, right? So it's about collectibles. But, um, and, and it's, and of course, that's amazing because uh, it's, it's given to artists and creators what they've never had, right? Um, now, this is, this is great, but uh, what we want to see in future and what is happening already, which we are seeing, because uh, uh, at Unique Network, we've had the opportunity to speak to almost 100 projects, over 100 projects, I would say. And this kind of stuff that they are thinking and visualizing and imagining is, is unbelievable, right? So sort of um, the, the use cases that we see coming, they, they need much more uh, to be done with NFTs beyond just collectibles. And therefore, I think the technology has to be, has to be ready for that. Uh, gaming is one example where part of the NFTs you see are collectibles, but then it goes beyond that. Uh, a lot of uh, gaming NFTs are have different roles to play based on their DNA, based on their ammunition traits and characteristics. And Axie Infinity is sort of one example where they have uh, interesting roles that NFTs play. So which really means that you're not drawing value out of an NFT purely based on speculation. There are real jobs and skills that are built into the NFTs, mm. right? Uh, so I think uh, before we see um, a lot of innovation, I do wanna I would do wanna pause and and talk about three elements that sort of are important to see uh, the next wave of NFTs, and we don't know what exactly it look like. But essentially, access is something that's very very important. Now, when I say access, I mean uh, the you know, going back to the previous point of hiding blockchain under the hood. If uh, we want to create something for the mainstream and then we expect the end users to understand and figure out crypto wallets, go buy uh, their tokens and then start to, you know, participate in it, it's, it's too much to ask for. And which means we're not ready for mainstream adoption, right? So that's, that's one thing. And uh, that applies to gaming as well. In gaming, we've seen uh, traditional games. So we've seen only if you are able to create a free-to-place uh, game, that's when you get the users hooked onto it, and then you can later monetize. You can't build free-to-play games in a blockchain environment where every transaction has a cost associated to it, right? So again, we need NFTs, the technology, to be ready to do much more. And then um, is sort of funding and incentivizing. When you talk about uh, a, a blockchain, uh, we need to think about every role that needs to be incentivized, right? It cannot be just a person who's drawn the piece of art and minted it, but there are so many other participants in sort of a DAO or a decentralized autonomous organization who sort of could be roles like marketing, storytelling, taking the brand to market, and it, people who play different roles. Unless we find a way to incentivize all the players in the ecosystem, we are, we are still short of mainstream adoption. 
right? So I think those three elements are sort of very, very important. And um, so just just, just recap yeah. that. So access, incentivization, what was the third? Sorry, so yeah, what access, are the three? Uh, I yeah. would say economic mechanisms and interoperability right, across okay. chains, right? I mean, the chains, yeah, I didn't dive deeper into it. So the chains have to be interacting with each other and we can't operate in silos for sort of mainstream adoption. And I think, um, so uh, we're trying, uh, again, we've not solved <laughs> all the world's problems around NFTs, but we're trying to uh, solve these issues through our advanced features. Um, and another point about the Polkadot network is it's, it's built upon Substrate, which is a very flexible uh, blockchain framework, and it allows to, us to do much more. So we've uh, built advanced features like uh, advanced ownership management, where one asset can own or rent the other asset. They can interact with the assets. Uh, and then you can create shared ownership models, right? Which is very common in the real world. You time share, On a timeshare basis, you own a property, you can share a car and, and things like that. So that shared ownership management has to be built into the NFTs. And that's what uh, we, we, uh, we have done. And then there is um, about flexible economic models, right? Uh, you need to be able to create an economic models that, that's aligned to um, sort of a business vision or um, if, if a developer wants to create, the, create an app, they don't need to be restricted to the way they can make money. They may want to say, okay, for the first few months, I want to be uh, offering this for free and then $50 per view. And then, then we'll see, we'll, we'll start charging on a monthly basis, for example, right? So all of those, the flexibility in economic design is something that um, we are helping some of the projects develop into their NFT marketplaces and ecosystems. So uh, those, uh, I think we need to, um, look at these assets as digital assets and not just as NFTs that we mint and real world assets that will do things. So once we start to see that, I think there is uh, immense amount of use cases we'll see in gaming and the other really big uh, um, area is real estate where ownership, advanced ownership uh, models are, are very, very important. So those are gaming and real estate. I think I'm most excited about for the next few years. Can you? I'd say. Can you um, I mean, I'm interested. Just uh, I don't. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with it, but I am interested just to get your insight. I suppose you know, real estate. It's a huge area, and I know when people are, people will be asking the question in their head now when they're listening. Which like, can you give some sort of just idea around use case when you say because it's, here we're talking NFTs and blockchain over here you're talking real estate Do, can you just share a little bit of insight of what that use case may look like and without putting you on the spot I know we didn't necessarily okay. dive into this pre-call but yeah it'd be really good to get your insight on a little bit of that sure. uh, so again I'll say that um, it's uh, the application of NFTs in, in real estate will not be easy because of uh, a lot of real world friction that exists right now. But essentially, um, uh, the ownership rights that can be defined on a blockchain and uh, the, the element about shared ownership and uh, is 
can be created through something like uh, uh, there, there are a few NFT terms and technologies that that can be used, uh, and one uh, one is sort of nested and interactive NFTs where one asset can be sort of split and be rented out, right? So if there is a building uh, which is an NFT, uh, in the current scenario, you can't break it down into a fungible token, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can break it down and sort of sell it, but then it becomes a fungible token. It's not unique anymore, right? But you want to break it down into another NFT that can again be brought back into the bigger NFT, the whole building. So once you break that down to, to smaller NFTs or sort of units and apartments in, in the building, then you can rent those out. So while there is this existing big NFT and then you break it down, bring it back in, so sort of refungible refungibility, which we call as RFTs, refungible tokens is something very powerful. and. To put that on a blockchain is is some um, uh, something I'm quite excited about, and it'll be it's I, I wouldn't say it's a year away, maybe it's a few years away, but uh, shared ownership and uh, provenance and transparency around that immutability around that I think will solve a lot of challenges of the industry right now. Thank you. Yeah, really interesting. I think I, mean, it, yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's almost like digitalizing the kind of fractional ownership models yeah. that currently exist in the physical yeah. world and you know putting that inside on a blockchain you know nfting put certain yeah. elements of it cool look we as we come into the kind of final parts i really want to talk about obviously the uh the, the kind of non-profit elements to to the nft space you touched on it before um you know it's what we're doing as a business we've you know had a blockchain service in the kind of social enterprise space for some time we're launching a, a marketplace which will allow distribution of, of funds, splitting of royalties, support of various, you know, social and environmental missions. I know you guys have worked on some of this stuff and you, you mentioned digital art for climate, um, that project, maybe good to just share that project, actually, what that's all about, because I think it really defines some of the really kind of exciting use cases that can support the nonprofit sector. Right, sure. I think that's that's a that's a really uh, interesting project. Uh, so, digital art for climate. It is sort of a multifaceted crypto climate initiative, and uh, founded and organized by Miroslav Polzer, who is also the CEO and co-founder of uh, IAAI Glocha, which is International Association for the Advancement of Innovative Approaches to Global Challenges, uh, in partnership with UN Habitat. A youth program. So it's uh, sort of a United Nations associated initiative. And um, so we uh, launched uh, an art competition. A uh, I wouldn't say digital art competition, but we launched an art competition to um, activate artists across the world and uh, share their uh, thoughts and expression through art around climate, uh, climate change. So we received 208 entries from across 58 countries. And this was done manually. This part was done manually because our priority was to not exclude anyone. We didn't want to stay focused on just digital art because then uh, we wouldn't reach the audience we wanted to through our, uh, through our partners, UN Habitat as well. So uh, 
we got various forms of art ranging from traditional to tech instruments and uh, to digitalized acrylic mural paintings, uh, AI-based art, and so on. And this collection will actually be auctioned off uh, next year on the World Environment Day, uh, 5th June, on Digital Art for Climate Marketplace that we are building, that Unique Network is building for this partnership. So I, I think, uh, so far, I mean, it's, so far it's, the journey is, is, uh, is sort of straightforward. And uh, what was really interesting to hear from the first prize winner, uh, he's based in the Philippines. And his name is Breeks Martilo Dumas. Um, his, his art is, is beautiful. It's called, it's titled Nexus. It's a sort of a sorrowful depiction of a human hand holding a plastic bag that contains a blue colored drink and a straw. And in addition to that, there's a cigarette whose uh, smoke floats in the air along with gray leaves turned gray. So it's a very, um, you know, you see the, the impact of what climate has done. And uh, Martillo, the artist, he talks about his life-changing experience uh, when he saw the typhoon Haiyan in November 2013 in the, uh, in the Philippines. And that inspired him. And so we have such beautiful stories coming out of these, uh, this competition. But essentially, uh, going back to the point of how does crypto empower resource mobilization? And so we've seen this, this initiative start from uh, an art competition and um, at COP26 uh, uh, this year in November, earlier in November, Miroslav Polzer uh, announced the foundation of uh, the Global Challenges United Citizens Organization. And it is sort of a blockchain-based organization um, headquartered in Austria. It will use the blockchain technology and the, the, the marketplace to advance climate change objectives. So what that organization is doing, uh, it sort of gives a very transparent um, recognition system to all the funds that will be raised through this art competition. And to be able to transparently channel it into uh, climate change initiatives, right? And so it's sort of not, not like a one-time, you sell a piece of art and you direct set percentage of it, but uh, the United Citizens Organization will sort of drive more and more of these programs uh, underpinned by blockchain. That's the whole concept is. So really excited about that. Cool. So you'll, I, you'll, you'll, um, it creates awareness, obviously, and it already is, and and it will create some sort of funding mechanisms for, you know, these different organisations working on solving environmental issues. Just, just one more question on it, I suppose, and this is probably one of the challenges that you, you're looking to solve. I suppose I imagine in many cases when people purchase this work, they want to support. There are people outside of the traditional kind of crypto world. So do you have to create kind of easy kind of on-ramp services where people can can get in and, and support and purchase and connect with the artist and, and everything else, so. Yes, so there will be sort of fiat on-ramp solutions built into the into the platform. But I what I do want to highlight, uh, I know fiat on-ramp has been sort of the keyword, uh, like you should be able to pay through a credit card. But there's one specific uh, sort of advanced uh, capability that we have built, uh, I'd like to highlight here. 
and that addresses a lot of similar challenges. Um, so it's sort of the sponsorship of transaction fee, right? So if you are a crypto, if you're an end user of a marketplace or a blockchain, any blockchain could be art, gaming, anything, you need to be able to set up a crypto wallet, buy the blockchain's token, and then start to work your way through. <clears throat> what sponsorship uh, fee does is a unique network will, um, okay, let's just take a step back. A developer who's building an app on unique network will be able to schedule or pay for all the transactions for their end users so that their end users don't have to worry about setting a crypto wallet. So the transaction fee is sort of, it's there, but we, we design it in a way that the developer, app developers are able to pay for their end users. And then at the back end, Unique Networks sponsors the transaction fee for dApps for almost a year till they start to see success and Till the point that they are a, they can start monetizing their apps, right? So what it does is it takes the fee out of the the blockchain system for a very long time, or I'd say for a sustained time period, till such point that um, you know the apps and end users they start to see returns, and so then yeah. So if I'm a so just sorry sorry about it. So if I'm a put going right down to the kind of user experience so obviously you're getting rid of transactional fees you're also breaking down that barrier to entry in terms of having to understand processes yeah. as well of okay yes exactly makes a lot so of sense. that's that's when i so when i said access is one of the key elements and that's how we are trying to address that awesome well i mean yeah that definitely is i think a key focus area i mean i think for anyone in this sector is just making a you know making it easier to understand so we're not all talking blockchain nfts we're just delivering you know yep. some value to to a customer at the end of that supply chain so absolutely cool chair i didn't have any more questions unless there was anything else you wanted to share um please feel free to otherwise also you know be great to get your details where people can can follow unique learn about unique or, or yourself or online so sure yeah so thank you i mean uh it, it was indeed a great conversation and uh in terms of unique network uh yeah we'll visit our website unique.network we also have a very uh, buzzing and exciting community on Telegram, uh, a very highly engaged community. So, yeah, join us there. Follow us on Twitter, Unique NFT Chain, and yeah, we'll we'll keep you posted with everything new that we are building. Awesome. I will leave all of those um, notes for anyone listening. They'll they'll be in Thank the you. in in the speaker notes. And um, yeah, it's been great to. To, to chat thanks for sharing and i think you've got a, an exciting 12 24 months ahead no doubt and uh, singapore is also you know a great place to be i think with all of this absolutely th th there's a huge amount happening so yeah we will keep talking but um have a great day nice nice to meet you shara thank you so much matt lovely lovely talking to you thank you Hey, thanks for listening to the Task Podcast and hope you found it interesting. If you'd like to get in touch and have a chat with myself, Matt, or one of the team, then we are at hello at task.io and we'd love to speak to you. Cheers. Cheers.